the Mindful Biz Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. In today's episode, creative director and co-owner of Loving Earth Chocolate, Martha Butler joins us. Loving Earth is known as much for its bean-to-bar chocolate as it is for its purpose-driven business practice. Having spent the majority of Martha's life as a gypsy nomad living over the globe from ashrams in India, where she met Loving Earth co-founder Scott Fry, to vibrant Mexico City and currently residing in Melbourne, Martha is fascinated by the creation of a conscious brand and its impact on the world. so much for joining us here today. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you, Alison. It's so good to chat. I've been eating your chocolates for years. So before we talk about chocolate. <laughs> oh, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. Well, before we before we talk about all that, I'd love you to introduce yep. yourself to everyone. Okay. So my name is Martha Butler and I am co-founder, co-owner of Loving Earth with my um ex-partner Scott Fry and I live in Melbourne I'm a single mum with two teens in lockdown lockdown 1000 <laughs> Victoria children uh 13 and 16 right yeah yeah, yeah but yeah we're doing okay lockdown's yeah. okay they're, they're managing well yes yes it's mm-hmm. been a trying time that that is yeah. for sure that is for sure so yeah. Your journey to starting Loving Earth, i it's super interesting because you were travelling, weren't you? Yeah, we were. I travelled my since I was a little kid. My dad used to build steel mills all around the world, so every three and a half years we'd move country. Oh. So then, um, so like from Canada to England to India, New Zealand, stint in Algeria, and then settled down in Melbourne to finish school. And then um, I took off again when I could, like when I was a young adult. Um, I've got a really unconventional path to business, really. Um, I was kind of an active little punk in the Melbourne music scene in the 80s, um, experimenting and getting up to mischief. Um, playing in bands and screen printing and making costumes and kind of in hindsight learning about guerrilla marketing and desirability, like in a really bootstrapping kind of a way. And then I took off and I completely changed and got into yoga, um, kind of as an antidote to the previous activities I was doing. And went to India and lived on an ashram for four years, which is where I met Scott Fry and we were married. We got married in Mumbai, just north of Mumbai. And so that life was all about 5 a.m. meditations and um, service, you know, service to the community and walking to the village, going to the temple, um, going to the hot springs and I think what I got out of that, I've been thinking about it since um, contemplating this podcast, and and it was to find the truth behind all the noise. Like in in that kind of hyper-urban punk scene, it was so noisy and creative and chaotic, and and then I, I took a step back into this really still, quiet world and found the truth behind 
like the energetics behind what was going on, the, the unchanging. And actually in the ashram, that's when the seed of loving earth was born because the ashram was in a really beautiful valley north of Mumbai, a lot of pristine nature. And the local farmers who had been farming for generations had been convinced to turn their topsoil into bricks and ship the bricks out of the valley. And for Scott particularly, that was just a devastating thing to watch in this sacred valley that, you know, um, that they've, you know, been contemplating the higher self and the beauty of nature for, for centuries to see that to see that devastation just trickling out. Mm-hmm. And he made a he made a decision there and there to find a solution by hook or by crook. And so then after that we went to Mexico and I um, was still working. So hey pardon? How long were you in the ashram for? I was there for four years. Yeah, I was in Thailand and um, and Southeast Asia for a couple of years before that and then ended up four years in the ashram and then two years in Mexico with Scott. And while I continued to work for the ashram, I was doing all the music and everything for the Mexican ashram. Scott was working with Mayan grower families down on the Guatemalan border and they were shade-growing cacao and coffee, and he was really inspired by the land care and the sense of community and everything. And then we um, are also a friend of ours. So another aspect of destabilisation for Indigenous community or local community, a friend of ours was doing a documentary on a small Oaxacan town where all of the men had gone to the States to work. And I don't know if you're familiar with Mexican culture, but it's very family-oriented. And so he did a documentary of one feast day when all the men came back and all the crying and the hugging and the, you know, the heartbreak and the welcome and then they went off again. And so that kind of like was building this picture of destabilisation of communities and ways to fix that. And then we went back we got back to Melbourne after a couple of years a baby was on the way and we had no preconceptions of what was going to happen no no plans but Scott was starting to develop in his mind um the desire for a pristine brand that would support Indigenous community and support Indigenous land care like seeing that as a real solution to what was going on when when Um, was it directly? What year was that? Yeah. That was 2005. Right. Wow. Yeah, so that was pregnant with my 16-year-old. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that time was right before the wave of superfoods and raw chocolate and everything hit, and so um, we found that wave and we rode it right into shore. We were the first company in Australia to bring superfoods in and to make um, vegan milk chocolate and vegan caramel chocolate and kale chips. We commercialised kale chips for a while. Yes, and the demand was... The grain. 
Because yeah, well, yeah. the term superfoods, I don't think, was even really around then, was it? No, no. I don't, it was. It did start around then, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah with maca powder and some other wacky ones that never became famous, like um, Yakon and Lucuma and different things from Peru. Yeah. Indigenous yeah. foods. It's kind of a misnomer because, yeah. you know, they're traditional Indigenous foods really. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and we um, we made the first chocolate bar in our rental house kitchen in Coburg, and demand was just we moved factories every year for like the first five years because we just couldn't keep up with the demand. Where were yeah. you selling the chocolates back then when you first started? On our website. So I designed the packaging and everything. I'm a visual person, yeah. and um, Scott designed the website. And then we would say to people, just take the wrapper into the sh- your local health food shop and say, stock this brand. And that's what got the ball rolling. It's all about timing, eh? Yeah. It's all about timing. You can't beat timing. If you, It's about getting the idea and then having the courage to follow it, I think. Yeah, yeah. not to kind of second guess yourself or overthink it or anything. Your mm. brand would have been growing very rapidly. And- yeah. What was that like? I was hectic. Yeah. It was exciting. Like initially it was pretty anarchic. Like we were bootstrapping and, you know, repurposing machinery and making up recipes and, and, you know, we were reaching out when Instagram was a baby, we were reaching out to what are now called influencers but just people we thought were cool and saying, well, you know, we think you're cool, here's some chocolate. Mm. I said, well, we think you're cool and doing an exchange. And so it was all really exciting to watch that all come together. Mm. But um, inevitably it, when you grow too quickly, there's all kinds of just structural things that you miss yeah. and there comes a, a tipping point where you just need to address those and that came that came for us and we doubled down on our on our processes and our, you know, governance and and all of that. And also the market shifted on us. So um, from being the only fish in the sea, all of a sudden Bioglan and Swiss and Blackmores jumped on board and we couldn't compete at all with their, their economies of scale. So then we had to really pivot towards the chocolate and really put all our money behind the chocolate, which is a code that, a number of uh, companies internationally were trying to crack for a long time and weren't able to to crack it. But now we've come to the second market change and where the Swiss chocolatiers have cracked that, have cracked that code and now they're contract manufacturing vegan milk chocolate. So a lot of the the new, new brands popping up in Australia is contract manufactured Swiss chocolate. Whereas we still get ours bean to bar, we we do the whole thing in house. Yeah, let's talk about bean to bar because that that is your proposition. Yeah, it is. Yeah, through that because that that is definitely what makes you different. Or one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, one of the main things. Well, so we have a relationship with the Ashaninka community in the they're in the Amazon forest. They they live at the headwaters of the Amazon, and they are growing there that's where cacao originally came from so they're the people that have always been growing cacao they shade grow it 
and they have been supported by the Rainforest Foundation UK for a while. But when we met up with them, they were a pretty traumatised community. They were being um, taken as forced labour by other immigrants coming in who were clear-felling the forest and um, they were in a pretty bad way. And we worked with them to set up their bank accounts. We committed to buy entire harvests of their cacao at above fair trade prices. They have had a um, really wonderful switched-on female leader of the community who worked tirelessly to, to get her community out of this place and into a strong economic position where they had their own autonomy and that that's what's happened. They actually won the UN Equator Prize two years ago as the best social commercial so, social enterprise as a shining example for all Indigenous social enterprises. Yeah, yeah, so good. And and also like COVID has really affected the Indigenous populations of Peru really badly, like out of proportion to the rest of the country, and these guys haven't been affected at all. Like they've kept really solid, really economically healthy, and they're powering through. Yeah. So good, so good, because it's like, it's, you know, it's not an easy commitment to make as a small company, small Melbourne company, and we it's really great to know that it's made a difference. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. but so so rewarding, you know. Yeah, yeah, so rewarding. What what's your role in the company these days? Uh, so I'm creative director. So I'm kind of I'm the brand custodian. I take care of the tone and the messaging. Um, I've got my eyes on the horizon seeing what's coming, seeing where we can bring the new. Obviously, we were the original disruptors and uh, a lot of other people have come on board since then. And so um, in the last couple of years, we've gone through a real change within the company, like a real where we've we've upskilled and we've refreshed the sense of who we are in the marketplace. And um, so that's my job is to, to make sure that we're, I'm giving people to try permission to try the unexpected and not just keep doing what's been done in the past. Mm. And also I'm a big one for culture. Like I, I think cultures like makes or break a company. And so I I'm I have got my eye on having a really skilled and really generous culture, which we've been building over the last two years particularly, and I'm really happy with where we are and the capabilities we've got. Wow. Are yeah. you you're working remotely during this whole yeah. fiasco? How's, how's that going for you? Uh, you get used to it. Yeah. Like there's definitely some upsides and some downsides. We, Victoria's done it for, for ages, like, and... Initially, you really miss the social contact, but you do have a lot of quiet to bang work out to get work done. And we're like experts in Zoom and and pre- presenting and keeping in contact with each other. So yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Obviously, the factory is still going, yeah. and we do everything we can to preserve that that seal around the the factory so that it's clean and. 
you know, n- nothing gets in there that we don't want in there. Yeah. Wow. You've recently launched a new range. Tell us about that. I love it. I love the new range. I love the packaging. I know. We really gave us, like, we just thought just because it's ethical doesn't mean it has to be serious. Yeah. We just wanted to bring the joy back into it. It's chocolate, you know. It's not like, yeah. it's not like rocket science. It's just, it's something to have fun with and something to lift your spirits I'm a really big believer of being solutions focused and um really being a force for good in the world like coming from a place of heart and being able to give that experience to everyone that you come in contact with or that comes in contact with your company whether it's suppliers or consumers or customers yeah so it's 45 gram range um just released it will be a range that um has new products that come in regularly that where that's us thinking outside the box and and just playing around with flavors yeah bringing the joy back dirty rose yeah i've tried it it's good (laughs) it's good it's good yeah my kids say it's good even even though it's loving earth chocolate (laughs) they like your chocolate they they're teens. They they like Cadbury's, <laughs> but the dirty rose, the dirty rose and the cookies and cream get the tick from them. So that's high praise. The cookies mm. are really really good. What would you mm. say have been you know what's been a big learning that you've discovered or you know had to endure in your business journey so far? Um. What's been a big learning? There's been so many. I think um, really keeping your eye on what it is you're here for. I think it's really easy to get distracted. We we were in UK, we were in Europe, we had products in Europe, we had products in the in the US. And um I think for a minute there we had too much going on and we got distracted from what our real purpose is, which is to make great product and with a strong ethical connection and show how how a regenerative company can act in the world, be an example for that. Yeah, so now we're dialling it. I think it's really um, harder to cull than it is to add. Right, and I, so I think that, um, like, we've learnt the art because like, coming from such an anarchic, no rules kind of start, more was more, let's try this, let's try that, let's try this. And now that we've matured as a company and we're honing our skills and we're really, we have great French chocolatiers joined us. He's um, the founder of, the original founder of Monsieur Truff, which is a Melbourne chocolate company. So refining our chocolate getting to know it better rather than trying to be all things to all people. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the things. Which markets have you pulled back from? Um, We've pulled back from Europe. Yeah, right. Uh, And obviously pandemic, it's not conducive to to, and also the US. We're still in the US but we've just pulled back our activity and we're focusing on Australia 
and yeah showing that, up what we're doing that, that was actually my next question is what's the business mm-hmm. for the next year or so so would you say it's focusing on refining the chocolate and the Australian market and also we've been building really great capabilities within the company in terms of seasonal offerings particularly and new ranges as well as quality and I'm really excited to see those things start to come online. We've got some great Easter products coming out. We've got a really killer um, Christmas product or two coming out, so when keep your eyes out. October 1st, one on October 1st and one on November 1st. So put it on your on your Christmas list for Santa. Great to see. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, super out, excited. Do you bring out Christmas products each year? No, it's our first. Right, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I'm sure I haven't seen one before. Ooh. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> that, I can mm. imagine you'd have a lot of fun with that because that's very creative and, you know. Yeah, it is. It is all the same ethics and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Christmas is a little bit tricky for chocolate in Australia. Because you know things melt, chocolate yeah. melts, no matter what you do. And ours is all from natural products. Like yeah. we we don't put additives, we don't use inverted sugars or glucose or whatever they're called, or the stabilizers. But yeah, yeah we've we've been working. Has, has that been an issue for you? Is delivery of the product and melting, or yeah, 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 yeah. and competing against brands that put all of this other yeah, stuff in it, yeah. Yeah, all the crap in it. And from the outside, some of them can look just the same as us, you know, like they 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 have like a, a greenish story, you know, yeah, but um, it, it is something that we're not really willing to compromise on. So we have to be, uh, we have to be really skilled in the recipe development, do a lot of testing on shelf stability, be careful how it's how it's sent. Yes, but I think it's worth it. I think that, I think that it um, it'd be great to educate people in the nature of natural products, mm. and to like you know you get like hand dyed garments, and they say each garment won't look the same, or there may be flaws in the garment because they're hand dyed. I think there's there's a case for that mm. in the natural food yeah. arena as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so where can everyone find I feel like everyone already knows Loving Earth, but for those people that are listening in that have never tried, first of all, you have to try, um, where can they find chocolates? Well, hopefully in every health food store in every state. We have a few products in, in Woolworths, which is great. The new 45-gram range is going into Woolies. What is it? And, um, yeah. Yeah, in I think October as well. I think yeah. I'm not quite sure when the the landing date is for that. And um, all your good specialty grocers and IGAs. Mm. And if it's not in your local, ask them to get it. Yes, pull up pull yes. up the website and show them the wrapper. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad you like the wrapper. I. Yeah, I, I really like it. Too. Well, I like, it's the, like, I like the product photography for this range as well. You know, on the pink. I do. That's yeah, so yeah, fantastic. Yeah. The shadowing. That's, 
Yeah. Yes, we've got a new content creator and she's a gun. Yeah. She's a gun. I'll tell her that you like it. Yeah. She'll be happy. Well, it's different. Mm-hmm. I liked it because it's different to what you've done in the past. I'm like, there's yeah, a exactly. real sense of fun and personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad. I'm yeah. so glad. You know, we've been, that's, that's, that's the direction we're going. So, yay, more oh, of that. You know, I can't wait to see this Christmas range then. <laughs> I won't guess. I won't guess. I'll, I'll just wait. Don't guess. Yeah. Don't guess. You wait. Mum, thank you so much for joining us here today. What a pleasure, Alison. Really good. Thank you.